Hi, we are Inspired Churches and we are honored for you to tune in. We are a church that is being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and walking in rhythms of life for the good of the city and for the glory of God. As we walk into a new year, we invite you to be part of the ministry by donating a gift today. Go ahead and visit us at inspirechurches.com. Uh, and hear from Kat and Pastor Danny and Pastor Andy. And uh, it has just been amazing as the Lord has used them to help us really uh, dive into the Psalms. And so uh, we really wanted to take this summer in the Psalms for two main reasons. One is because the Psalms really teach us how to talk to God, right? And then two, the Psalms teach us how to embrace Every human emotion, how to process every human emotion in the presence of the Lord. And, 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 and sometimes, depending on uh, your tradition of maybe how you grew up in church or maybe didn't grow up in church, uh, that might have been something that was off limits or there were only certain emotions that you were allowed to have in church or before God and the rest you kind of have to suppress or, you know, you can't doubt and don't fear and, you know, don't have worry and you know what I mean? And, and But when you read the psalm, what you encounter immediately is exactly all of that, is that we're seeing uh, all of these rights raw emotions before God. And sometimes, you know, if you're reading, you're like, oh, can I really say that? And but apparently you can. Um, and so it's great to be able to just go through this. And so um, the other day I was putting in, uh, I was trying to log in and I forgot my password, right? And so, you know, the system wants you to like go through these things. And, and one of the things it wants to make sure is that you are not a robot. Now, I don't really understand how a robot wants to make sure you're not a robot. Uh, and, then it, and then it tells you to like type in like these random letters and numbers, which to me seems like something a robot would be really good at doing. Uh, and then it does this thing which gives me anxiety. It gives you like all of these pictures, right? And it says like click every picture that has a bicycle in it. And so I, I swear I take like three minutes staring at this thing like, is that a bicycle? Like I'm like, because what happens, you know? And I'm like, this is why AI is taking over the world, y'all. This is... This is it. And so I'm upset because I can't remember my password. And, and so my wife comes in and she goes, hey, baby, I was wondering something. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and right then I knew, Roger, you just messed up. <laughs> you just messed up. But I got I to stand behind it. I got to stand behind it. My pride came in. And all of a sudden Christianity went out the door. Jesus went out the window. Grace, forgiveness, all that left. You know? And she just like, excuse me? And I was like, you heard me. No, just kidding. And so, and so we're going back, and all of a sudden we're fighting, you know, and now we're fighting about fighting about fighting, and pretty soon we're fighting so long that now I not only have I forgotten my password, I've forgotten what we're even fighting about, right? Have you ever done that? All because I forgot. Well, this morning I want to talk to you on the subject faithful forgetters. Faithful forgetters. We're going to read from Psalm 103, and for anybody that did not do their devotions this week, you are going to make up for it right now, because we have about, you know, oh, 22 verses to go through, all right? So, Psalms 103, thank you, Jesus. Here we go. Praise the Lord, O my soul. 
all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for all those who fear him. As for the east is far from the west, as far as he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father, he has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we were Formed. He remembers that we are dust. For as man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower in the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness is with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all praise the lord you his angels you his mighty ones who do his biddings who obey his word praise the lord all the heavenly hosts you his servants who do his will praise the lord all his works everywhere in his dominion praise the lord oh my soul you made it you made it 21 verses we have said that the book of Psalm is really the preeminent place to see how to deal with your emotions and the conditions of your heart. Right, Psalms, in a certain sense, is almost God's collection of case studies for us, mm. right? Not, not, a, not a textbook, but a case book, if you will, right? Not a place where you have lots of principles sort of laid out, but lots of actual cases of people struggling with anger and loneliness and doubt and emptiness and grief and fear and anxiety and shame and guilt. Every condition that the human heart wrestles with can be found in Psalms. And yet, what's interesting about this particular Psalm is that there's no reference to enemies, a lot of Psalms, you'll see David, you'll be like, you know, run down my enemies, Lord, and, you know, kill them and make sure they're children's children, children, and never see the light of day. And sometimes I pray that Psalm when I'm driving and yeah. someone cuts me off, you know. <laughs> but like, you don't see that here, you know. There, and there's no reference to like a specific sin. Right, right. And so what is it that we're actually reading? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that David is actually laying out the basic key to deal with all conditions. The basic key to deal with all conditions, all of life circumstances, whatever it is that you have faced, whatever it is you're facing right now, and whatever it is you're going to face, all right? He's giving you the key on how you deal with that, all right? And look at verse two is really interesting because he says this, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. 
See, what, what David is saying is that the main thing that you and I need to do, the main thing that we have to do is remember. Right. Yeah. Right. Come on. To not forget. Right. Let me ask you a question. Have you forgotten God? Now, you might be like, Pastor Roger, that seems like a dumb question. We're here in church. Obviously, we have not forgotten God. We are here. We just got through singing worship songs. You know, we gave some offering. I mean, we are here. We have definitely not forgotten God. Well, actually, what I want to pose to you and what David is challenging us is to remember but the meaning that David has here is deeper than just a mental recall. When he uses the word remember, in fact, throughout scripture, when, 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 when we see the word remember, just like Jesus, when he was doing uh, the, the Lord's Supper, and he says, do this in remembrance of me, that word has a deeper meaning than just a mental recall. So here's what we're going to learn today. We're going to learn to know the why, to know the where, to know the what, and to know the how, okay. all right? Okay. Know the why, know the where, know the what, know the how. So number one, know the why. Forget not, when it says forget not, right? Of course, that's kind of a double ne negative. Forget not, basically what he's saying is to remember, right? right? Yeah. Now, why is it that this magnificent psalm all of it would be completely dedicated to remembering or, or, or to not forgetting. Well, throughout scripture, God talks to us about remembering. He talks to us about not forgetting. For, for example, in Isaiah 51, God says, you are afraid of moral men, uh, but you who are grass, uh, he says, you forget that the Lord is your maker. In Peter chapter 1, he talks about growth and faith and goodness and self-control, etc., right? And he says, if you're not adding these things, it's because you have forgotten who has cleansed you from your sins. See, now, even if we just take those two passages, and, and there's more, right? Basically, what, what we're seeing is this, is if you're afraid of anything, if you worry about anything, if you have anxiety about anything, if you're frustrated about anything... If you lack self-control, right, perseverance, patience, if you're lacking kindness or goodness, if you're lacking anything, what you're actually doing is forgetting. You're actually forgetting. And then, of course, God also talks about forgetting and remembering, right? There's a number of places, as you know, where he says, I will, you know, I will remember your sins no more. Right now, that doesn't that, that couldn't possibly mean that God can't remember your sins. Right? It's not like He's like, listen, you did something in 2001. What was it? I just, man, I can't put my finger on tip of my tongue. Right? That, that that's not what it means. Right? When we look at what the Bible is talking about, it's something more profound than just mental recall. The Bible, in a sense, is saying that remembering is a way of controlling your consciousness. Theologian D.A. Carson puts it this way. In the Bible, remembering is to have something so central to your consciousness that it affects you completely. Right? Now, when you understand remembering or not forgetting in that light... 
then you'll see why this is so vital. Because to remember something means you have it so central in your consciousness that it controls how you act, right? Have you ever said, I'm never doing that again, right? And then what happens? You know, minutes later, weeks later, days later, months later, you do it again, right? Well, what happened? Is it because you forgot it? Well, no, it's because you can't remember it. No, but it's not as vivid, right? right? That experience isn't as vivid. It's not gripping you like it did when you said, I'm never going to do that again. All of a sudden, that emotion kind of has faded away. It's no longer in the center of your consciousness. Remember that? And so over and over and over again, the Bible talks about the fact that there's something about us that even though we can mentally recall something, right, we can also immediately forget at the same time. That means that there are things that were important to us that loses their vividness, their immediacy, their grip on us. Some of you might be saying, well, actually, I have the opposite problem. That there are some things that I have said to others, or there are some things that have been said to me that I want to forget, but I can't. I want it. They're still there. They affect me. They grip me. It's like they're in technicolor, right? And I wish I could forget them, but I can't. And so, I, and so the positive things that I want in the center of my consciousness aren't there, but the negative things that I don't want tend to be there. Let me give you an example. Okay, kindergarten, craft time, all right? And they said, listen, I want you to, you know, make a portrait of your family or whatever. And, um, and so I go and I get the macaroni noodles, you know. I got all the colors in there. And I start putting this thing together, some glitter, some whatever's on there. And I look at it, and it's awesome, right? And I'm like, teacher, come. I'm done. You know, she's like, oh, Roger, this looks so great. I'm going to put it on my wall. She puts it on the wall. She puts it up there. And then all of a sudden, I hear another voice say, that's ugly. <laughs> And I look around and I said, well, nobody asked you, Elizabeth. (laughs) Right? Now, let me tell you something. At that point, it did not matter how many other people liked my macaroni art. That was the comment I was going to remember. Elizabeth, if you're hearing this, you cut me deep. (laughs) Because that's what it is, right? That's what it is. When, when, Becca, when Becca and I, we have all sorts of memories together, right? Husband and wife, all sorts of great things. We could be going on an incredible adventure, have an amazing date night. But the one thing that was said that was negative is what we're going to walk away with, right? Yeah. Have that ever happened yeah. to you? Yeah. Of course. Why is that? Why is it that somebody can tell you a hundred times how great you are before you believe it? But all they have to tell you once is how you stink. And that sits with you forever. Why is that? Why is that? Right? If your mind is centered on the mercies you've received, you'll be a happier person. If it's centered on the injustices you've received, then you'll be a bitter person. It all depends on what you remember. And again, remembering meaning what engages you, what's sewed onto you, what's grabbing at you at the time. And one of the problems that we have with our hearts is that the good things, the the, the best things, the, the kind things, the noble things, the things that ought to be controlling our consciousness and our hearts fade immediately. And the things that make us feel terrible, insecure, less than, that, that, are, that crush us, those things stay there. 
those things stay there. Why? Well, the main reason is because of sin. Why is it that we, that we have a hard time remembering the good, but, 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 but what happens that is bad is that it stays there? Well, the main reason is sin. Why do we forget God? Out of all the psychological reasons that we can give, the root of it underneath all of that is sin. And this is why we are what I want to call faithful forgetters. Because of sin, we will faithfully forget. There, there's one thing I can guarantee that we can do. When we stand before the Lord, when you pray, when you worship, when you think about Jesus, anything like that, one thing that you can promise that you know for sure will happen is you and I, we will forget. We will. We will. We will forget. And God was not lost on this fact. In Deuteronomy, he says, when you get to the promised land, you will forget me. In Joshua, when God dries up the Jordan so that way they could cross, God tells them, hey, take some stones along the way. And when you get to the other side, pile the stones up. Why? He says, so that way when you pass it, you'll remember what I've done here because you're going to forget. You're going to forget. Why? Why? Well, see, another way on why we forget, another way of put it, if, you, if, if sin is something that bothers you, maybe that word. Well, well, the Bible basically says it's an unconscious and semi-conscious desire on our parts. Wow. Why we forget is an unconscious and semi-conscious desire on our parts. For, for example, in Romans 1, and this is really the key place, Romans 1 tells us that the human heart wants to be its own master, right? right? right. We, we want to be in charge, yes. Right? Of course we do. Yeah. You, you want to call your own shots. Because of that, the human heart cannot bear to see the greatness of God. We, we cannot bear to see what we owe him. Therefore, we're semi-consciously always needing to forget. We need to forget that so that way we can master our own hearts. We have to forget it. Because if we don't forget it, then we won't be able to master our hearts. Because we want to master our hearts and we want to be the ones in, in control, then we have to forget what God has done. But also what Romans tells us is that at the same time, there's a desire to not forget. It, it, you can't bear on one hand the thought of the glory of God and the greatness of God and what you owe him. And therefore you're trying to forget. And yet at the same time, because you're made in his image, you desperately want to remember. Um, I don't know if you've read this book or seen this movie, but it's one of my favorites, The Count of Monte Cristo. Now listen, whether you've seen this or maybe you've watched, uh, you know, um, Pearl Harbor or, uh, you know, uh, what's that one, Affair, something like that. Anyway, uh, listen, there, there's a lot of movies that have sort of this, this same kind of theme to it, but, but I enjoy this one the most. And and there's this, there's this guy named Edmund Dantes and his friend, uh, Fernand, and basically they, they're on a ship and the captain is ill, and so they have to get to this island to try to save their captain's life. And it just so happened they're at the island that, uh, that Napoleon was exiled to, and, and so they go to him, and, and they're, they're begging for him to save uh, his captain's life. And, and so Napoleon goes to Edmund and, uh, secretly and says, listen, yeah, I'll save your captain's life if you will deliver this letter. And he said, I assure you, nothing's wrong in it. It's just to check in on a friend. 
And so, of course, Edmund says, okay. So Edmund and his friend Fernand go back. Uh, and what ends up happening is his best friend ends up getting jealous because Edmund gets praised for saving the captain. He ends up becoming a captain himself. And, and Edmund is actually in love with, with, with this woman. And, and all this stuff is looking right. And his best friend is absolutely jealous. And so his best friend turns him in tells him about the letter and has him then shipped off. And what he ends up telling this woman that he loves, what he ends up telling her is like, listen, his penalty was actually death. His penalty was death. Because he wanted to be the one to fall in love with her. And so this lady named Mercedes now thinks that her love is died. So she says, well, okay. So she gets together with the best friend. And as you can imagine, as the story unfolds, the best friend comes back, right? But here's what's crazy. Throughout the movie, Mercedes had to try and forget about Edmund. She had to. She had to try to forget in order to move on. So she, so she can love something else. So she can love again. And then, of course, when Edmund comes back in the picture, then all of a sudden all the memories come rushing back. And she realizes that that was always her true love. In a way, this kind of pic paints a picture of a human being, right? Roman 1 says we desperately want to forget God, and yet we desperately need him. Uh, on one hand, we just can't stand the idea that there's someone who we own everything. We can't stand the truth about our need, the truth about our sin, the truth about what we owe him. On the other hand, when, when we look at all of the beauty of creation, when, when we see everything that's happening within us, we know somewhere inside there is somebody, something else that has to validate. We can't validate ourselves. And, and, and that's why we try to find validation in all sorts of other things, don't we? We try to find validation in work. We, we we try to find validation in recreation. We, we try to find validation and maybe you're the one that you're always trying to be funny and you're always trying to make people laugh because that's what validates you. Maybe you're trying to find validation in, in, in scaling up the corporate ladder. Maybe you're trying to find validation in, in your education and so you, you want to you know uh, make sure that you get all the degrees that you can. Maybe you try to find validation in your fitness or, or in your family or whatever it is, but we're always trying to find validation. And the thing is, if we don't get that, then all of a sudden we're crushed. It hits something inside of us we, we, we feel less valuable wow. right yes. or, or, or then or when we do get it then we can't help but think that others maybe aren't as good as you right. we know this love that's out there yeah. yet we're stuck yeah. we have hearts that need to forget but don't want to forget oh, that's why that's why. So as important as knowing why is, though, it's not enough, is it? If I were to stop the sermon right here, you'd be like, mm, there's still something missing. As important as knowing the why, it's not enough. We can't just know the why. We have to also know the where. Know the where. Notice this. It, three times in this psalm, he repeats a phrase. He repeats a phrase. And what that lets us know is what the, who this psalm is addressed to. When you ask the question, okay, when he's writing out this psalm, who, who is he talking to? Is he talking to God? No, he's not talking to God. 
Is he addressing other believers? No, he's not addressing other believers. Okay, who's he addressing? Well, he says three times, oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. See, where do we see that the main problem lies? Where do we tend to forget the most? Where, where is it that we need to remember the most? Where is that? Where is it that we're being told? We're being told right here. It's in our innermost being. That inside of us, inside of our soul, there is areas of unbelief. Yes, that's good. yes, yes, yes. Listen, believer. Yes. Listen, Christian. Listen, Jesus follower. Listen, there are areas in your heart where you still have unbelief. There still are. There still are. Listen to this, uh, the, the, what, what uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Vanderstelt said in his book, Gospel Fluency, when he talks about Christians as unbelievers. He says this, when I say we're all unbelievers, I mean we still have places in our lives where we don't believe God. There are spaces where we don't trust his word and don't believe what he accomplished in Jesus is enough to deal with our past or what we're facing in this moment or the next. We don't believe his word is true or his work is sufficient. We don't believe we are unbelievers. See, somewhere inside, there is a space in your heart where you still do not believe. If you're worried, it's because there's something inside of you that still does not believe that God has it. If you're frustrated, there is still something inside of you that believes that God does not have your back. Do do you see what I'm saying? Area of belief. In the center of my centers, in spite of what I might know, down in my core, there is an area there of unbelief. And so it's not enough to know why you need to remember, but where you need to remember which is the very center of the inmost part of who we are, right? And and so this is why Psalms 103, he's doing this vigorous discipline, this vigorous rhythm of meditation and contemplation, meditation and contemplation, meditation and contemplation. He's not just quickly reading it and say, okay, done for the day, but he reads it and then he thinks about it and he reads it again and he thinks about it and he says it again and he thinks about it. What does that mean and what are the implications and what is that actually saying? He does this until all of a sudden he's praying the truth. He's worshiping the truth. He's speaking the truth into his heart, into his soul, until his heart becomes almost on fire. Right? Let me give you an example. So one time I was watching television and, and, you know, I'm I'm into it, you know. and, and, And my daughter, Olivia, she says, hey, dad, don't move. There is a spider on your arm. Now, if you all know, I, I don't do spiders. We, I, I, we just don't, we don't do spiders. In fact, we had, uh, we had the kidsmen team at my house the other day. We were having a meeting, and they all got to see how much I don't do spiders because a little tiny spider crawled on the, the carpet right in front of us, and I, was, I booked it. I was out, right? And so one time, Olivia was like, hey, Dad, you know, don't move. There's a spider on your arm. And I'm like, okay, that's nice, sweetheart. And then like two seconds later, it hit, Right? It hit, and all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, and I jump up, and, I, and I'm going like this, and I'm doing this crazy dance all over the living room, right? Well, what was the difference? What was the difference when she said it the first time compared to when it hit, right? Do, do, do you see what I'm saying? There's a difference. There's a difference because the first time, it was just sort of this intellectual idea. It, it didn't register, 
But the second time, it hit me. It hit me all the way. It took it all the way downtown, right? It got all the way down in here, and then it affected me. Because it affected me, because it was central to my consciousness, because it got me, then all of a sudden, I had a reaction. I, I reacted to the truth of what was being said. If you say, I believe God loves me, but you're afraid. If you say, I believe God loves me, but you're bitter, you're unforgiving, you're worried, you're depressed, you know what you're doing? You're not really believing. The penny hasn't dropped for you. It hasn't got down deep inside of your soul. And you have to preach yourself. You have to talk to your soul, your inner soul, until it's hot, until it catches with the truth of fire. I keep using this fire illustration because, you know, if you take like a, a metal bar and it's bent, right, and, and you want to bend it back, um, you might have been able to bend it straight, but, but actually you weakened the fibers of the bar. You know that? What you actually want to do is you actually want to heat that metal up, right? You want to heat the metal up until it becomes pliable, until it becomes moldable, and then make it straight. Because then what happens is not only did you make the bar straight, but, but you actually made the bar stronger. You made the bar stronger. And, and, and this is what I mean by that is, is, listen, if I just were to bend it back, right, then it looks straight on the outside, but internally, it got weaker, right? And, and what you do is if all you're wanting to do is try to modify your behavior, yeah. right? If that's all you're trying to do is just modify your behavior, then listen, your life might look straight, but inside, it's actually weaker, you see? In, in other words, if you're looking, at, if, you, if, if the way you say, I'm, the way I'm going to face fears, I'm going to just tell myself, stop being afraid. Don't be afraid, right? Or, or don't be worried. Come on. Or stop sinning. Or don't look at I'm just going to not look at that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to try better. I'm going to try. Roger, you're just going to try better. And maybe you even tell God that. God, I'm so sorry. And listen, I'm going to try. I'm going to really try. You know what you're doing? You're just trying to modify behavior. You're just, you're just trying to bend the bar. You're not preaching the gospel to your soul. You're not preaching to the innermost part of you, to our catches on fire and now you're moldable and bendable so what happens is it's going to be there but now you're weaker and now you have to keep the front up right you have to keep the front up isn't that true listen i had a friend he i don't know anything about this but he does a lot of workouts and everything and uh and he was telling me, he said, you know, there's a difference between, there are certain people when you go into a gym. Now, for those of you who work out, you can either say amen to this or, or say it's not true. I don't know. I'm going off of what he says. When you go, you go to a gym and there's people that are working out, and there are some people who actually look stronger than they really are because of the type of workout they do or something like that. But either way, they actually look stronger than they really are. And then there are other people who look strong, but they don't just look strong, they are strong. I wonder if you look strong, but inside there's weaknesses that are just chipping away, just slowly chipping away, and you're constantly just bending, 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 trying to do a quick fix, trying to do harder, trying, trying. I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to try to be nice. I'm going to try to talk nice. I'm going to try to not be selfish. I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? Wow. So what you have to do here is, is 
know why you need to remember, but, but you also need to know where you need to remember. Where? In the innermost part of your soul, taking it all the way downtown into the center of your being, which then, of course, leads us to a very important question that once you know why and once you know where, it's important to know the what. What is it that you need to remember? Notice he says this. He says, forget not all of God's benefits. Then the NIV translation puts a dash afterwards, rightly so, because everything else in that psalm that we read, everything else is just an enumeration of the benefits, right? right. And so in verses 10, 11, he says, he says things like this. He says uh, this. He begins to talk about the good news, and he says like this, for instance, God does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so his great love for those who fear him, as far as the east is from the west, so as far he has removed our transgressions from us, right? Now listen, when you read that, I don't know about you, but to me, that's great news. That is great news. That is what is called the gospel. The gospel. In other words, not just why, not just where, but what we need to remember right. is the gospel. Yes. Amen. And though you may believe the gospel, we forget the gospel. Yes. Yes. Though we may believe the gospel, right. we forget the gospel. Yes. The gospel is, the, is this good news of, uh, of what God has done for us, right? That's the main thing we need. It's, it's this thing that, that we always have to be pushing center, right? The problem behind all of our problems is that we don't remember the gospel. It's not, and again, remember, meaning it's not vivid to us. It, it's not in the center of our consciousness. And it's incredibly laid out. What's intriguing here is David even makes the plot thicken in this psalm because in verse 8, he actually starts verse 8 exactly the same way as Exodus 34 starts. By the Lord is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in love. That's exactly the way Exodus 34 starts. And David is almost probably deliberately doing that. I'm sure he is, right? Because he's creating a plot. And so God starts off by saying the Lord is compassionate, Right? And, and, and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in love. And, and on Mount Sinai with Moses, he says the same thing, right? He says the same thing. But what he says to Moses is different. After that, he says this to Moses. Listen, after he says that, he says this. And I will by no means clear the guilty. Everybody will get what they deserve. That's what God tells Moses. Yet what David says here is that he won't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. What's David done? See, if you're reading through this thing, and if you know the Old Testament, then all of a sudden you stop and say, wait a minute. Okay, according to both of them, they're both saying the Lord is compassionate, gracious, slow to anger. But, but God tells Moses, listen, I'm never, never, never going to clear the guilty. Never, never remove your sins from you. But then according to David, David says, no, 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 listen, he, he, slow to anger, abounding in love, but, but listen, he won't make you pay for your sins. Well, this seems like a problem, doesn't it? Right. Yep. Are we going to believe Moses or are we going to believe David? Right. Or we can believe Isaiah. Wow. Because see, Isaiah says all of us like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned everyone to our own way. And God put on himself the iniquity of us all. 
In other words, in other words, both David and both Moses are right. Sin will not go unpunished. Sin will not go unpunished. You just won't have to pay for it. That's the gospel. Sin won't go unpunished. You just won't have to pay for it. You see? Somebody will. It just won't be you. And so what God says is, God says, listen, because I am holy, because I am full of justice, I cannot let injustice go. Because I am holy, because I'm righteous, you want justice, right? You want to have a, fair, a God that is fair, that is just, that is not a hypocritical, a hypocritical God. And God says, I won't be. I will make sure that sin gets punished. Right. Who's going to pay for that? Free. Who can pay for that? Even if we were to spend eternity in hell, every human being for all eternity, that still wouldn't pay for it. So who's going to pay for it? And so God says, my justice, my holiness demands that sin gets paid for. But God also says, and I'll pay for it. I'll pay for it. You see that? What happens if you try to forget somebody that's really good, really nice, really kind, and you decide you're going to forget them? You're going to treat them as though they didn't exist. What would be a fair penalty? Well, a fair penalty would be for them to forget you back, right? right? That'd be fair, forget you back. What happens if you would actually be forgotten by the one who is the source of all significance. See, to forget somebody is to treat them as though they're insignificant, right? To, to give them less weight. What if the, the person that is the source of all significance were to treat you as though you were insignificant? C.S. Lewis was absolutely right. C.S. Lewis said, listen, the thing that hurts somebody the most is not being hated but being ignored, but being ignored, treated as though you didn't even exist, right? Remember the Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, and, and, um, and uh, I forget the little girl's name right now. Somebody help me out, but thank you. Yeah, she, she goes in, and she goes to the wardrobe, and she goes to Narnia, and then, you know, they're playing hide-and-go-seek, and so she goes, and she plays, and then she's in Narnia for hours. Remember that? She's in Narnia for hours, and then she comes back to the wardrobe, and, and, and when she comes back, you still hear them playing hide-and-go-seek, and she said, you guys didn't miss me? I was gone for hours. You didn't miss me? Now, part of her was confused because a lot of time had passed by, but she was in, like, another world, so... But the other part of her was just like, <laughs> like, I was gone. Remember in Home Alone when Kevin and, you know, he's just like, he's home alone. Woohoo, family forgot him. And then all of a sudden that scene goes by where he sees another family, like, you know, eating dinner or whatever. And then he ends up in the church, right? To be completely forgotten. What would it be like to be treated insignificant by the person who is the most significant? It would be hell. It would be hell. To, to be utterly ignored, to have God's face turned from you, to have God's face turned away from you. Well, let me ask you something. What happened to Christ on the cross? See? 
When he was up there, do you remember, remember he cried out? He cried out, remember that? And he cried out to God. And I think it's interesting because that, uh, that, um, that opera, Jesus Christ Superstar, remember? You know that one? Uh, in that opera, Jesus Christ on the cross, he says, my God, my God, why have you forgotten me? Why have you forgotten me? Now, now our, our, our Bible usually uses the word forsaken, but in Jesus Christ Superstar, they use the word forgotten. It's the same thing. Why have you forgotten me? Do you see what happened to Jesus on the cross? Do you see? Jesus was forgotten so you could be remembered. He was plunged into darkness. He was plunged into spiritual torment and darkness. Why? He was forgotten so that you and I would always be remembered. In other words, even though we will forget, we will never be forgotten. That's the gospel. Even though we will forget, we will never be forgotten. Verse 16 says this, says, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and, a, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, his love is upon us. He never forgets us. We forget him but he'll never forget us. Do you realize how much the Father must have valued you? Do, you? do you see how much Jesus values you? And if you put that in the center, if you're constantly pushing that downtown, if you're constantly putting that reality, that truth in the center of your consciousness, if that's what you're remembering, then all of a sudden your whole life begins to change. If you feel like you're despondent, disheartened, disencouraged, it's because you don't realize who you are in Christ. It's because you have tethered your value to all sorts of other things, all sorts of other accolades, all sorts of other accomplishments, all sorts of other whatever else, another person, another thing, another situation. You have tethered yourself to that only to in the end, always needing more validation. And pretty soon that thing that you're wanting validation for ends up controlling you and becomes your slave master, but not Christ. Do you see that? If you put the gospel in your heart, you say, well, how do you do that? We get ready to close. You say, listen, I pay. Now I see why we need to remember, not just mental recall, but, but a type of remembering that, that, that causes us to do action, right? A, a type of remembering that causes us to actually do something, but bringing it from the back of our mind to the forefront of our mind, that, why we need to remember and, and where we need to remember that in, in our innermost being and, and what we need to remember that the gospel, but, but how do we do it? How do we do that? Well, look, throughout this whole psalm, there are phrases that tell us what the gospel is. And so I'm just going to put them on the screen so we can kind of go through them. Look at this. Uh, he says this. He says, he forgives your sin. Are you struggling with guilt? Do you feel shame and guilt? You don't have to. Why? Why are you carrying around guilt? Why are you carrying something that Christ already carried? 
Why are you trying to pay a bill for something that Christ already paid? You don't need to feel guilty. You don't need to carry around guilt. No, of course not. The Bible says for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. Do you see that? In other words, remember that part of the gospel. How about he heals your diseases? Do you feel like nothing's ever going to get better? Remember that aspect of the gospel. He, he crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. He crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Do you feel dishonored? Do you get upset with criticism when somebody comes and, and tries to criticize you or correct you? Do you get defensive and you get upset? Why? Why? You're already honored. According to the gospel, he's crowned you. He's already validated you. Sometimes we live our life as though we're, uh, you know, a contestant on The Voice. And we're doing things hoping that somebody will press their button and turn their chair and accept us. Listen, somebody's already done that. You are completely validated and accepted. All of your sins, all of your weaknesses, all of your transgressions, all of our insecurities, all of the great parts of you, your strengths and your accomplishments, all of it. He sees all of it and he says, I've chosen you. And you know what he says? He doesn't just say, I've chosen you, but you know what he says? And I'll choose you tomorrow. And I'll choose you next week and next month and next year and next decade. Throughout all eternity, he says, I'll choose you again and again and again and again and again. You fear rejection? Maybe, maybe, maybe you did something and, and, it, and it's out of rejection and, and maybe, you, maybe you lied to your boss or, or, or maybe you yelled at somebody and, or, or, or maybe you're doing something and it doesn't really feel like that, that's you and, but, but you're trying to do because you don't want to be rejected. He's crowned you. Look at this. He says he redeems your life from the pit. Are you afraid of dying? My, my little... My littlest daughter, Eden, fourth grade, a week ago was crying on the couch. And I said, baby, what's wrong? And she said, what if I die and there's nothing? She says, what if I die and there's nothing, daddy? And I had to bring her back to the gospel, the truth of the gospel. He says, he has redeemed you from the pit. If you're feeling hopeless, you're feeling depressed. You're feeling like nobody hears you and maybe you're surrounded by so many people and yet all alone, look at the gospel. It says the Lord has established his throne on heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Are you worried about your future or, or your loved one's future? Why? He rules over it all. 
Do, do you feel like you need to be in control because, because you don't want to just be left this thing up to destiny and, and you have to do it and you have to be in control. And, and, and so everything you do, and, it, and maybe it comes across, you know, uh, nice, but there's a little passive aggressive under there because you really want control of it and, and you have a hard time. And maybe somebody at work comes up with an idea and you're the one that actually gave them that idea, and, but they don't give you credit. So now you feel like you got to go ahead and you got to say something so you can get the credit. You have to be in control. You have to let people know why the Lord has established his throne in heaven. Look at this, as a father has compassion on his children. Do you feel like you always have to perform even for God? You don't. Are you, do you do things that, that, that act as though you are an orphan? Do you behave in ways that act as though you are an orphan instead of the fact that you have a loving father that calls you son and daughter? This is the gospel. When you can't sleep at night, when you feel like you can't handle certain things, when you feel like you have to cover, cover up, cover up, cover up. Can't let anybody in. Can't let anybody see. Don't want to let anybody know my struggle. Don't want to let anybody know my weakness. Can't do it. Always have to perform. Always have to be like your juggling act. Always have to be spinning plates. And you even bring that into the church and you do that before God. As though he needs to see your best. He doesn't need to see your best. He sees your brokenness. And he says, my gospel says that I was forgotten so you can be remembered. Take these truths found in scripture and meditate on it. But don't just meditate on it. Think deeply about it. But don't just think deeply about it. Preach this to your soul every day. Preach this to the gods. When I get frustrated at my kids, when I say something sharp uh, or condescending to my wife, when I, when I feel like I'm treating somebody as though I am better than them, I have to preach myself, the gospel to myself. When I feel insecure because of maybe how I look or maybe I walk into the room and maybe all of a sudden I don't feel like, you know, I'm the smartest person, so now I have this imposter syndrome that's going on. And, and, and what? The, preach the gospel to your heart. Every problem you have, loneliness, anxiety, impatience, deep frustration, unforgiveness, insecurity, etc. It's all because we are faithful forgetters. Would you stand to your feet? Though you will forget, you will not be forgotten. There's a little hymn by William uh, Cowper that says this. Poor thou I am, despised, forgot, yet God my God forgets me not and he is safe and must succeed from whom Christ promises to plead poor thou I am despised forgot yet God my God forgets me not and he is safe and must succeed from whom Christ promises to plead again thank you so much for tuning in today our prayer and hope is that you would be transformed by God's word and live for him. Before you go, would you consider giving a gift today? By faith, we are walking into the new year and continuing to believe in what God is doing in the city through our missional communities and mercy ministries. 
Visit us at inspiredchurches.com to give a gift and let's see together the great things God will continue to do in the new year.